You're listening to the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast, where we focus on taking your passion and turning it into your profits. Join us for interviews with business experts, industry influencers, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation Cheer and Gymnastics Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are going to be talking about why it may not be the right time for you to diversify your revenue streams. Before we get into the episode, make sure you've headed over to NG Cheer and Gymnastics Owners, uh, and you have requested to join that Facebook group if you are a gym owner. If you are not a gym owner and you're a coach or you're a gym owner and a coach, make sure you've gone over to our all-star cheer coaches and owners page as well. And you've joined that group. A lot of great conversations in both of those groups. So make sure you've joined those. Head over to nextgenowners.com to subscribe to our blog. Also, if you need to ever find the podcast again, we have a link there as well. And that is where you can sign up for our conference. We have a summer conference this year. We are so excited about it. It is going to be June 23rd through the 25th in Dallas, Texas. It's going to be absolutely amazing. We're going to have owners tracks, coaches tracks, managers tracks, There is going to be so much amazing learning, and we have a bunch of really great instructors joining us there. So super excited for that. Make sure you get registered for that conference. All right. So we're talking about diversifying and why it just may not be the right time for you. And there is so much information out there uh, for you to take advantage of when it comes to starting new programs. Uh, You can get onto any of the public Facebook groups to include our gym owners groups um, that are not public. They're they're like closed groups, but still there's so many groups where people are talking about different ways that you can diversify your revenue streams and different programs you can start, be it gymnastics or recreational tumbling or uh, TNT or USA Stunt or acro or dance or i mean there's just the list is endless of different things that people have started and have been successful in their programs but sometimes taking that shotgun approach to programming and offering and ends up not really accomplishing anything and just ends up dividing your attention and stressing you out and you're not really uh, doing what you want to do, which is bringing in more revenue, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot and you're doing too many things and not doing any of those things exceptionally and not really bringing in more revenue. So we are going to discuss why it may not be time to add revenue streams beyond what you currently have and what to do instead to increase your revenue. All right. So um, number one reason that we might not want to expand is you don't have the physical capacity or the capacity as a leader owner in terms of time and energy to manage all of the programs. Number two, you are not established in an area of expertise, making your clients confused and your marketing disjointed. And number three, you're potentially driving clients to lower ROI programming. All right, so let's dive into each one of those. So number one, you don't have the physical capacity or the capacity as a leaner owner to manage all the programs. So look, if I just went out there and I listed every possible program that I could host in a facility, um, I would probably have a list of 15 to 20 things. And even with a 15,000 square foot building with an 11,500 square foot warehouse, I wouldn't be able to host everything. Certainly not well. I couldn't do cheer and gymnastics and dance and ninja and 
uh, parkour and jujitsu and a million other, I wouldn't be able to do all of those things and do them really well. I would have, you know, little small areas for each one of those. Uh, so I would be limited in my physical capacity. And from a gym's perspective, from a gym size perspective, we're on the the medium to larger size for the average cheer gym in the United States. I would say on average, a gym is around six to 9,000 square feet is where a lot of small gyms are at. And then as you get, then you get a little bit larger and there's a few gyms out there, not a ton that are in that like 25, 20, 20,000 to 25,000 plus square foot gyms. And you would need that level of space to start to really have a whole ton of different programming like that to really truly offer gymnastics and cheer and dance and TNT and all those different offerings. So physical capacity is a huge aspect to looking at diversifying your programs and whether or not you should do it. But a bigger aspect is what can you as an owner actually take on? If you are not an owner partnership or you don't have a number of full-time staff who are going to be taking on these programs, how much energy do you have to putting into growing this other thing? And if it's not very much or that amount of energy is going to get is going to pull away from the things you really should be focusing on, you're really just dividing your attention and you're not working efficiently or effectively on the things you need to be working efficiently and effectively on. Now, if you've listened to some of my time management stuff, I've talked about this before, how you can do this with time management. I, I even did an episode of you're accomplishing nothing because you're trying to do everything. And it's the same thing when it comes to some of our diversification of programming. You're really not accomplishing anything with the diversification of the programming because the ultimate goal is to increase your revenue streams because you're trying to do everything. You're trying to be everything to everyone and you just don't have the capacity to do that as an owner. And you may not have the capacity as a staff either. Like I don't have competitive dance in my program because I don't have a competitive dance coach. I don't have anyone really capable of doing great dance programming and there really isn't a point of doing it. There are six competitive dance studios in the 10 mile area our gym exists in and we would just be another thing and we wouldn't really do it all that well. And so it just wouldn't grow the way we need to grow it. And our, could we do it over time? Certainly. But our, our time and energy is better spent doing other things that we are good at and don't divide our attention as much. So for example, let's say you just do what the average next gen client gym does, which means you offer some sort of competitive cheerleading, you offer recreational cheerleading, you offer recreational like ninja or warrior classes, and you offer birthday parties, clinics, and special events. Just what I named right there is six different things to pull your attention then that's not even factoring in having a functioning trial program that feeds into your rec program. That's not fun factoring in whether or not you have multiple tiers of your competitive program. So do you have elite, prep, novice, fundamentals, right? So now we've taken that list that was six and we've made it 10 to 11 to 12 things that you're trying to divide your attention on. And then we start talking about adding more revenue streams and it just becomes more complex. If you don't have the staff and structure in place to manage that, you're not going to be doing it well. 
All right. So number two is you're not established in, in an area of expertise, making your clients confused and your marketing disjointed. So I, I previously mentioned we don't do dance because it's really not like what we're good at. And that is one of the things that you do need to figure out. Like, what are you good at? What is your identity? And for us, for a very long time, the way we started is our identity was competitive cheerleading. We were good at all-star competitive cheer. And we've never gotten away from that identity. That always is kind of the core of who we are. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a competitive cheer gym and having other diversified revenue streams. But at at our core, at our identity, you walk into our gym and you know that one of the main things we do there is competitive cheerleading. And that's okay. We've established ourselves as having expertise in that. So what is it that you have established expertise in? What is it that your clients know they go to you for? And there can be multiple things, but if you haven't established that for anything, then it's probably not time to add another thing that you're going to try and become an expert at. On top of that, it starts to make your marketing really, really confusing because we only can post so much. I know there are people who will tell you, you can post as much as you want to your Instagram story, which is relatively true. You can post to stories pretty consistently, but it, you can't post to your quilt, your main page that often. You can't post your Facebook all day long, every day. People will tune you out. You'll become white noise. And especially if every other thing you post is a completely different thing. So you have, you post 13 times a day to post your elite cheer, your prep cheer, your novice cheer, your fundamentals cheer, your rec class, your rec cheer class, your rec tumbling, your rec ninja, your jujitsu, your birthday parties. I mean, the list can become endless. And then people just, it's confusing. People don't know who you are. They don't understand what it is they're getting out of your program. Now, can you get completely diverse and really offer all of the things? Yes, you can, but it might not be time for that yet. Danielle and Justin at Twister Sports they have cheer, they have gymnastics, they have ninja, they have warrior, they have dance, they have batting cages. I mean, they have all the things, but they didn't start that way. That wasn't the beginning of what they did. They It took them time and they've gradually added programs as they've streamlined and they've implemented more and they have a larger ownership team and they have multiple full-time staff now and that allows them to, to be diverse and be truly Twister Sports, the place you go to do athletic activities in their area and where you go for birthday parties, they've established themselves as the authority in that, but it took a lot of time and they did it one piece at a time. They didn't just do all the things all at once because then it becomes confusing for your clients and it makes your marketing really, really difficult. And you may be focused on creating all of these different options. So you have various price points throughout your programming so you can get people in on lower price points. But the problem is, is that you might end up potentially driving clients to a lower ROI programming when they would have purchased a higher level of programming. So if you have 19 different offerings Unless people are really, really sold on one being the best option for them, they're likely to pick something that is a little bit more affordable, something that may not break the bank. And obviously, we don't want to break our client's bank, but you, 
I'm assuming you understand where I'm going with this. You're potentially pushing people to that lower return on investment. And we want to make sure that we are getting the highest possible return from our clients. So when and how you diversify your revenue streams is, is complicated. And there are many factors into it to consider in terms of space, your geographical location, what else is around you, what your staffing availability is, if the program is the right fit, if you can rationalize the pricing of the program that you need to have to make the right amount of profit from it. So it's really, really complex. Some of the options are really easy and they're plug and play. Things like doing camps and clinics on a weekend, on a holiday, like doing summer camps, those are those are no-brainers. You should be doing those and they are relatively plug and play options. However, if you need more help with this, this is one of the things that having a next gen coach really does help with because we can help you focus on that, we can help you do the strategic analysis, and we can help you stand up those programs within your gym. And if you're not ready for that coaching or you don't want to go that far yet, you absolutely must attend our conference in Dallas because we're going to give you a lot of great ideas and you're going to surround yourself with other owners who've diversified, who've also been strategic about their diversification, and they can help give you advice. So that is this summer, June 23rd and 25th in Dallas. Registration link will be in the show description, so make sure you get registered for that. So one of the reasons this came up is I was actually talking to one of my amazing clients today, and this is where she was. We had we had actually, um, in our effort to accomplish so many things, we started to diversify too much. And there were some things that she'd even tried to diversify into that I wasn't tracking, and I didn't even know we'd started. And in our effort to get more revenue, she had become focused on offering too many things. And... I, I had been thinking about it a lot and we had a really great conversation about kind of the next step. And ironically, I'd recently watched the movie Founder, which is the movie about um, how McDonald's basically came about. And what's what's interesting about the movie is the guy who eventually owned McDonald's and created the McDonald's that we know was not the person who started McDonald's. He kind of claimed he did, but he didn't. Not, not the original McDonald's restaurant. And he's kind of a he was kind of a shady dude, and the movie definitely portrays him as not like the hero, but um, he definitely comes out on the on the winning side of it. Um, but <clears throat> what was really interesting, and I think is relevant to this, is the original brothers, the original brothers who created McDonald's. When they started it, they they moved from one location to another. They moved to California, and they they opened their business and at first it was great it was kind of like the this barbecue drive-in thing and they offered a million different menu items and burgers and ribs and pulled pork and all this stuff and it started out well and then it just died off really fast and they attracted a kind of some riffraff and all these other things anyways they did an audit and they basically found their their number one sellers were soda hamburgers and french fries those were the the things that sold the most at their business and they said you know what we're just going to focus on doing these things really really well and so the original mcdonald's was like hamburger french fries soda um and or fountain drinks and milkshakes and that was really it you couldn't get anything else and it was like cardinal sin to offer anything but those core items. And they were just really focused on doing what they did really, really well, really efficiently, getting the food out very quickly, making it so people could get their food and eat it. And they invented that that model of, of um, 
restauranteering. So becoming hyper-focused on what they did well was what gave them notoriety and what really attracted them to or attracted the guy who kind of stole the business from them to them as a company. And so there's a major difference and you kind of need to look at this of like, there's a difference and it's even the McDonald's now, right? But are you the old McDonald's where you are really, really amazing at uh, some specific things before you start to expand? Or, or are you the Cheesecake Factory where you have a 32-page menu and everything on it is bad? So, you know, uh, what are you and what are you trying to go after? Which I would always recommend you go more the route of being really, really good at a few things and then progressively adding new stuff. All right. So leaving this episode, what I want you to do is sit down with a piece of paper and write down the things that you do well. What are the things that you are great at as a program? What do you love doing? And what are your highest revenue streams? What are your things that people buy the most and have the most return? And then from there, I want you to write down all the other things that you do in your program and determine if you need to simplify or not. You need to make that determination of, are you the original McDonald's or are you the Cheesecake Factory? All right. So thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you loved it. Uh, If you liked this episode, please make sure you share it with someone who would get something out of it as well. If you're looking for another great cheer podcast, you've got to check out the Let's Talk Cheer podcast with Jason Larkins. Uh, He is just crushing it over there, uh, going absolutely gangbusters. I'm seeing he's doing uh, stunt routine reviews and all sorts of really awesome stuff. So uh, a lot of great content coming out of Jason. You got to check all that stuff out. And with that, we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.